Hello, and welcome to the Development Debrief with Catherine Van Sickle, the stories-based podcast that interviews professionals, donors, and thought leaders in the field of fundraising. Hello, listeners. Today, I have the pleasure of featuring my very own boss, Veronica Martini. Our discussion is focused around how our team is responding to COVID-19. Our team consists of central major gift officers and executive assistants who travel domestically and internationally. Given the circumstance, we are no longer able to do the primary work function that our team was designed to do. We are essentially frontline, online. Our colleague Suzanne Altshuler said in a recent call, we aren't trying to work harder, we're trying to work smarter. This episode will explore just that as we share how the first week of working from home has been for our team. Vero Martini is the Senior Executive Director for University Development at Columbia University, in which capacity she leads a central team of major gift officers while providing managerial leadership and strategies relevant to global and major gift programs, functions, and mission. Previously, she served as Associate Director for Strategy and Development at Harvard University's David Rockefeller Center for Latin American Studies, leading that center's strategic planning, communication, and fundraising activities. Additionally, Vero has been a consultant for the Massachusetts state government. She holds an undergraduate degree from the Patagonian Institute of English Teacher Training in Argentina, an EDM degree in English Education from Armstrong Atlantic State University in Savannah, Georgia, and an EDM degree in International Education Policy from the Harvard Graduate School of Education. My hope is that this episode will spark a discussion within the debrief and larger fundraising community. As always, please feel free to reach out to me with questions or feedback. I'm curious if more COVID-19 episodes would be helpful or if you would like for me to go back to regularly scheduled programming. Please share what you and your team are thinking about. Direct message me your thoughts at devdebrief on Instagram or email me at catvan12 at gmail.com. I really look forward to hearing from you. Now let's get started. Darrow, thank you for taking some time for the debrief. I know it's been a wild week. Thank you, KBS, for having me and for everything that you have done this week. It has been a wild week indeed. Part of these days is finding something that makes us happy or makes us feel joy. I've been looking forward to interviewing you for a long time. And it's funny to be interviewing you because you're my boss and I see you every day. I thought you were the perfect person to talk to about this because our team seems to be in pretty good shape through all the uncertainty. Well, you're all doing uh, wonderfully and I couldn't be more proud. What we're learning uh, together to share and uh, hopefully learn more from whatever comments and feedback we get is so useful at this time. Absolutely. Yes. How has this week been, especially as a manager? Challenging and rewarding at the same time. I know that may sound weird, but it has been challenging because of course, everything that we're all going through. As a manager, it's been challenging because I've had to think and act fairly quickly uh, from a continuously changing and fluid place. I've had to let go of structure and certainty. And instead I've had to create new spaces and try out new approaches, accepting that they could or could not work. So that's the challenging bit. On the rewarding front, it's because I think that it's actually in these difficult moments that your role as a manager is really put to the test. You can see very clearly 
you know, has there been trust? Yes. Has there been creativity? Yes. Have we been open about our vulnerabilities and remained optimistic and committed? Yes. So that's very rewarding because that won't be the norm and you can't take that for granted to be the norm if you haven't spent time fostering it all along. What would you say to someone who doesn't have that same sense of trust in their teams and we're, and yet we're still in this position? How could someone begin to build trust now? You build trust being with one another, being with one another in a very genuine place, being vulnerable and always inviting feedback and providing that, having those difficult conversations that people tend to avoid or put off for later and postpone. And those are the things that uh, really build trust in a relationship. So when you need it, then it's already available. That is, I think, one of the reasons why we have been able to respond as we have, which we'll go into later. Further on the personal front, you know, Vero, people might have noticed on this podcast that you have an accent. <laughs> you grew up in Argentina. Yes. How does that change the way you're responding to COVID-19 and how does it make you different as a leader in this situation? So you mean that crisis has been more or less my normal, right? Yes. Um, in all seriousness, though, I do think that there's something to be said about being more used to things not going the way they are supposed to go, however problematic that is, really. I do want to clarify, though, that I'm not comparing any crisis to what we're going through right now, right. nor am I suggesting that any of these very personal strategies apply to anyone other than myself. But as many may know, Argentina has gone through a number of economic and social crises throughout history, and these have translated into very concrete examples for me, examples that have impacted how I respond to situations and have also taught me how to temper my expectations. So when things don't go as expected, you inadvertently get trained on crisis management, you are more easily predisposed to respond differently. Of course, depending on your personality too, but you become more agile at accepting that it is what it is. And you quickly start looking for concrete next steps that you can take instead of dwelling on how sad and how angry or how scared you may be about things. It's not that you're not, it's that you just learn that there comes a point where it's futile to stay there for too long. You mm -hmm. learn focus on gratitude for everything that is going well, for everything that you do have. Yeah, I think that's been coming up a lot with conversations that I've had with friends and colleagues that we have very little control right now and we can choose to sit in front of the news or we can choose to have meaningful interactions and start thinking more creatively about our work. And yeah. so it's great that we have you at the helm with that attitude because it's very easy to just be completely paralyzed with fear right now. Yes. And, you know, this goes back to the question of trust. I think we've been very open about sharing our vulnerabilities and our fears. You know, you just mentioned being paralyzed by it. And, you know, from all the commentary that I've heard throughout the week, which I'm really consciously trying to shut out a little bit, there is one concept that has stayed with me. As a neurosurgeon and medical reporter, Sanjay Gupta, said on a news program, 
that uncertainty should not lead to inaction. And I realized how fully I embraced that concept. And I also realized that in order to execute any sort of action in difficult and uncertain times, such as these, one needs a big reservoir of trust, right? Your leaders need to trust you, your team needs to trust you, and I need to trust them and you all fully. And they do, and I do, and you do. <laughs> and I think that's been a very positive thing, seeing very clearly how that ongoing openness, even if it's fear, even if it's I'm uncomfortable with this, and the hard work and the feedback, as I was saying before, has built us a lot and now finds us with this very strong foundation from which we can respond. We've definitely been grappling with that, I think, in a way that is unlike other teams because we are a university development and we are dependent on schools for content and direction. Mm -hmm. A lot of the schools haven't made decisions yet. And so we've just kind of had to start making some decisions, but also it's the push and pull of, do we move ahead? Do we wait? And then there are all these levels of leadership. Listeners can relate to that with their own institutions. Well, I think that in in a sense, being the central team and partnering with so many schools and units and being on the road in such diverse geographies has also kind of trained us to share the D, the D as in decision making. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that sometimes in other teams, the, the, the D, who owns the D, which is the concept that we use in management and leadership, may be more vertical and may be more clear. And so I, I think absolutely it is. Yeah. And so in a central team, it's more the P of partnership and how we both move forward and the C of compromise. And we come to that decision making together. So I think that perhaps we didn't know this, but we have acquired the skill to push forward with decision making together and that has come in very handy right now. You know one of the things you've talked with our team about is thinking about how we can consciously contribute and Mm -hmm. before we talk about the team I wanted to know if you could share with us sort of what that means as an individual and how you feel that you personally are consciously contributing. Well, I I think this is uh, particularly relevant for me right now, because in situations such as this, you know, we have that urge of being helpful and responding both positively, but also quickly. And we want to be there for everybody in every way and do that fast, right? And so I think that inadvertently, we may make the mistake of assuming things, things that are very important in someone else's experience. So being conscious and consciously contributing is being sure that I take the time to learn about everyone's individual experience of the situation. I Mm. actively try on their shoes I, you know, acknowledging that there are things that we may not share. So there are folks in our team with kids right now, and I don't have kids, but how do we meet in what we do share of this experience and what we don't? And how do I learn from that so that we can identify where we coincide and where we might need to make compromises? Another thing that you've talked about a lot, even before any of this, pre-COVID, was assume friendly. You always tell us to assume friendly. And I think that is particularly apt right now with all the emails flying through, how we respond to people virtually. Can you talk a little more about that? 
Yes, that is a concept uh, Mara Henkler, the director of the Columbia College Annual Fund, came up with and shared in a leadership training that we were doing. It is the idea that if you go to any situation with the mindset that the person across the table or next to you is a friend and you're going to try to sort this out together, it totally changes how you Um, respond or Mm -hmm. how you create, how you co-create, I guess, um, solutions and responses. And it has been so helpful to me personally. And I know to, as you said, to all of us in the team, and it's actually, if you look around um, our Office of Alumni and Development, it's in many, on many sticky notes on desk (laughs) around. And and I want to make sure that I give Mara all that credit because it's been really helpful for the way that we work and the culture that we're creating. Yeah, I think that's just one little thing that can make interactions a little bit easier. Absolutely. Now to shift to talk more about the team, you talked about consciously contributing as a manager because that is your personal experience. Mm-hmm. What is it that you're encouraging us to do? I know what what my impression is, but share to our listeners as if you were giving them advice. First of all, I usually joke that I don't manage the team. I coordinate all of the wonderful colleagues that I work with. As such, I am part of the team and I'm a team member as well. So what I mean for the team is exactly what I mean for me as a manager, Mm -hmm. I guess, as an individual, that is that we don't stop listening that we don't let the eye of the storm and our own uncertainty translate into inaction. We don't let anxiety drive us uh, on the wrong kind of, of action or direction, right? So, you know, as I grew up, I realized how much I dislike the I could have, should have, would have notion. I mean, I've accepted that those will always be there and I want to be sure that I'm aware of them now. So, And I think about us sharing a team meeting, hopefully a team retreat together in the same room. I hope that our team is proud of the action that we did take and the outcomes that came out of all of this. And if not, that we identify clear lessons that we learn from trying, not from just staying still or waiting for somebody else to tell us what to do. I think that is being consciously contributing, meaning that we are stopping to listen and we are giving it our best shot. We are not rushed and we are not driven by anxiety. We are driven by what we know, our expertise, but the wonderful community that we share and our values and the opportunities that we have to contribute and that we are proud of those outcomes or again, grateful for the learning opportunities that we take away. Yeah, that's such a good point. And I think it can be very difficult for people. I think maybe it was Will that had mentioned this of being in the moment, but still looking ahead and sort of time is frozen in a way. And so we do sort of have a day at a time, but then we do want to be forward looking. It's definitely, it's a very hard situation to be in for every single one of us in the world right now. So I think that's great. And then I also am so happy hearing you talk about our team retreat all in one room. I love our team so much and the idea of being in the same room is like almost getting me teary-eyed <laughs> I do too I do too and uh, we're gonna get there we'll get there yes so let's talk about how we're responding are there some initial things you want to share with listeners about what we're doing and how we're handling this day-to-day 
I don't know. You tell me. What do you think? How are we doing and how are you handling, how are we handling all of this? A lot of people have said this, having some semblance of structure makes such a difference. I think for us, just as humans, you know, waking up every day and having somewhere to be is a huge part of our life. Mm -hmm. So we do have a daily call, which I know you were hesitant about at first, you know, if it felt like micromanaging or if it was too much, but at least so far this first week, it hasn't been too much at all. And it's sort of a joke because you had said they would be 15 minutes and every day they've been an hour. And it's just because everyone wants to share and everyone wants to hear how every individual team member is doing. So I think that has been huge for me. Like I've started to look forward to four o'clock because that's when these calls are. That is wonderful because again, we go to trust and we go to the space that we really have co-created, right? Like, Mm -hmm. again, it's the work that we've done so far and some people are more open or more willing to share their feelings and their emotions and some are not but i feel like we've all come to a very respectful and uh, very empathetic place together where with our different personalities and practices we share i think we are also exercising humble leadership. We are taking action as we learn and as we correct. You know, when you learn a second language, such as I did, you know, the older you get, the harder it is to learn it. Because when you're a kid, you're not afraid of making mistakes Mm -hmm. here. And so it is by actually making so many mistakes that you learn more quickly. And it's not that we have... Uh, a lot of room right now to make mistakes, but I am very grateful in that we have created a very even platform from which we can share our concerns and our preferences. And we already assume friendly in that everything we're going to say and provide and do and suggest may or may not work. And that's fine. What is important is that we share it and we put it on the table. That made me think of a couple logistics that I want to share with people, which is with humble leadership, we share responsibility for managing that meeting. So every day, the person who managed it picks the next person. And it's actually been so cute. Some people have the team members' names on little pieces of paper and drawn a name out of a hat. And Vero has given us very mini homework assignment every day to share, you know, what have you heard from prospects? What have you heard from colleagues? So that's been great. You've also actively shared what you've heard from leadership levels. So that's the way, that's the way we've been using this daily call. I highly recommend it. On a more personal level, uh, Vero has asked us to send two week goals for each of us individually. And What I really like about that is that you've put that completely on us. You haven't said, this is what needs to be done. Mm -hmm. What do you think you can accomplish in the next two weeks? And then we're doing our one-on-ones based on that instead of trying to somehow make sense of our goals that existed Mm pre-COVID. So have you found that to be good so far? So I think plans change daily as they do. Uh, but this is unprecedented and we hadn't worked this way before. So uh, I was very pleased with how agile we were into, you know, thinking about the goals that we set at the beginning of the year and the mid-year review that we just had. And then you know, accepting, okay, this is a new reality. And all I can think about is the next week or the next two weeks and what is on my list. And 
you know, to be honest, some of those things were pressing and we could complete them. Some of them were pressing and it's not the right time to push for them. Some of them had been, you know, at the bottom of the list and this is a good opportunity to bump them up the list and take care of, you know, those talking points or that research um, on a prospect or projects that we, you know, usually deem as like when I get, you know, when I have time, I'll get to it. And it's not that we have a different amount of time but time has been reshuffled because we are now not traveling and you know flights are cancelled events are cancelled visits are you know shifting to be online and some people have those capabilities and prospects don't prefer them so i guess we've uh, transformed the impending challenge of being physically apart into a list of opportunities and projects and i and activities that we could do for yeah for- I, mean, I know for some i have six goals for the next two weeks that i put together and i just want to give some examples for people to start thinking about if that might work for them or if they want to do a variation of it i'm trying to do some form of outreach to every prospect in my pool and we've gone back and forth on this a lot of whether or not it's appropriate to reach out and what it looks like. And I think what we've really come to is that, I mean, with the people that we have established relationships, it feels very natural to say, I'm right. thinking of you, how are you? And especially with active gift conversations to say, would you like us to pause this? How would you like to move forward right now? And people have told us. For those people that we don't know, we've sort of come to an agreement of reaching out to say, as a member of the Columbia family, as a member of the Columbia community, I'm reaching out to you to see how you're doing. I mean, does that sound right? Yeah, yes, absolutely. And I think you've also taken great initiative with reaching to peers and we all have in one way or another, building that community internally. You know, the work that you and Alex did yesterday with presenting that seminar on cold calling that was programmed to have a full room in Shapiro and the eighth yeah. yeah, we would usually have to cap that meeting and we yes. were able to have almost 50 people there, which was wonderful. Yes. And, you know, folks are doing coffee, you know, screen side chats and uh, reaching one to one and, you know, reaching out to one another at all levels. And Columbia family is so strong, you know, internally and externally. And this is a great time to reach out. What are some other examples of things that people are doing on the team? I know Jane mentioned she's doing a prospect visit. Well, I I think what we are all certainly doing is coming together in, in a highly decentralized university to make sure that we're all working on the right messaging, that we're all coinciding on opportunities. I mean, there are so many supporters that want to be helpful and we want to organize ourselves. Nobody saw this coming so quickly. We're spending a lot of time doing that. Ed, for example, who has been traveling to Asia, was sharing with us the other day how he's almost on the opposite side of that conversation where we are, you know, reaching out, we were reaching out to folks Um, I remember in December at our team meetings, he was saying, I don't know what to do with my active gift conversations in China because they're all quarantined and it's chaos. And I remember we were all thinking, that's unimaginable. I can't imagine what they're going through. And we've used our eyes. And at that time, I remember that um, I cited to him what I had learned on this podcast before from Susan Fagan, who said, you know, ask 
them, ask the donors, ask them. And Ed followed that advice and it was great. He got responses and some of them were like, you know, I, I can't talk right now. It's there's this virus happening and we don't know what it means. Some others just went ahead. We learned a lot about how people were managing at that time. And now we're almost getting the reverse of that of donors asking Ed, you know, how are you doing? Do you need masks? Yeah. Uh, so I think it's it's an enormous opportunity to learn from one another, uh, to strengthen those internal partnerships even more, and to be in touch with those that are not here and, you know, in our office in New York and learn what our prospects are going through. I yeah, think. and I will say the positive news is that Ed heard from one of his donors a few days ago that they're ready to move forward with signing an agreement that was a donor in China. So, you know, we yeah. all have to be hopeful. Yes. Um, the donors that I'm talking to have said, we want to keep this conversation going. It's also a good time, I think, to work on your professional and personal uh, development and to mm-hmm. spend a little bit of time on that, whether there's a seminar on crisis management that you want to take or self-anxiety management. There are so many resources. We're so lucky that we can access all of this digitally. Yeah, so we've talked about several of them, but Vero has designed or created this document that's called Covey of Ideas. And I remember it like it was yesterday. It was when we were still working in the office. COVID was starting to get scary. We were starting to wonder, should we stop travel? You know, amidst all of that sort of daily anxiety that we were experiencing together in the office, Vero just started typing. And I remember seeing from behind, you know, I sit two pods away from Vero and I saw her. She said, I'm busy. I'm typing. And it, and it ended up being this document called the Covey of Ideas, which has now been shared across the university. So tell us what inspired that and what exactly it is. My mom has this saying um, that goes, a grandes problemas, grandes soluciones, which means to big problems, big solutions. It really is not big solutions, but it's like, what can I provide right now? What can, how are we together in this? What are the things that we we can control. There's so much we cannot control. And uh, what are the things that we could be doing? And so I just started typing in different areas, whether it's relationships outside and pool and um, portfolio management to personal management to uh, outreach and learning through peers. And I mean, peers at Columbia and outside of Columbia. What are lists of ideas that we could do? And I preface that with something that you came up with. The the first thing was like, let's set goals and short-term goals that will, you know, feed into the longer-term goals that are about what we're here to do but we have to kind of narrow them and focus them on the next manageable piece of time, which is the next two weeks. And so I typed what I had in mind, and then I shared the Google Doc, and I said, folks, we are all contributing to our to-do list. I guess I think of it as a to-do list because we can do it. It provided the action items that would then, you know, be structured into these meetings that we have daily. I think it also has ignited creativity, which is also so 
wonderful to exercise in times like this. I think we all are being very creative about, you know, the content of our conversations, but also other activities that we might do. The executive assistants in the team, for example, thought about reaching out to those folks who have been essential personnel in our office for a little longer. How do we thank them as a team in a way that is personalized and that truly conveys how grateful we are. It is from that that we begin to develop the ongoing plan, right? Like that is not a static. Um, you have to start somewhere. I think starting is the hardest part of anything. Yes. And you know, sometimes starting like everything else is just sit down and start typing and see what comes out of it. And at least again, uncertainty should not lead to inaction. And I think that got us going. Yeah. So thinking about the broader industry and mm-hmm. this is going to mean for fundraising, I know mm-hmm. everyone is asking that question and wondering, and of course we don't know the answer, but just to have a little bit of a conversation about it, we started to talk about distilling the message and you referenced that earlier in this conversation of how do we communicate and, and what does matter? You know, all of our priorities are shifting. What would it mean for us to distill the message and how do we block out the noise that that isn't relevant and then choose what is? Right. I do think that our message continues to be and is really strengthened now more than ever by the incredible value of our mission. What we do, Columbia is one of the world's most important centers of research, an incredible learning environment in a wonderful city. Our work, our shared commitment with so many supporters is really about advancing knowledge and learning to contribute you know, our efforts to the world. Um, as we speak, there's so much important work, crucial work being done at Columbia's Medical Center, for example. And um, that is what we contribute. So I think, I don't know that this is about distilling a message as much as it is staying with the mission from with that message will just organically and naturally develop. I think we need to stay anchored in that mission and agile in our plans uh, and compassionate in our actions. We should reach out to donors and colleagues. The funny thing is, I don't think this is about social distancing, really. It's about physical distancing, but social togetherness. For our industry, just as much as we say, you know, people give to people, um, we should remember that it's because people care about people. And I think it's very important to stay with that. It's such a simple thing, but to encourage people to go on their institutions' websites and to read that mission, I think it's a great reminder. It's a great anchor. We should, I'm going to go do it after we record. I'm going to reread Columbia's mission statement. Good, good. You should. We all should. Maybe we should do that at four today. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> well, it seems almost chilling to ask you my signature question today, but I'm going to. So on March 20th, 2020, what do you for sure? That I don't know anything for sure. And that it's actually okay. It's okay to not know anything for sure, because even then, there's a lot to do, and there's a lot to give, and there's a lot to learn. Thank you for taking this time. Thank you for leading us. Thank you so much for having me. I am so honored and I am so proud and grateful that we work together and that we have the team that we have, not just the UD team, but the Columbia team Mm -hmm. and everyone else in the profession. Yeah, thank you.